Welcome to Today's Issues, offering a Christian response to the issues of the day. Here's your host, Tim Wildman, President of the American Family Association. Hey, good morning, everybody. Welcome to Today's Issues on American Family Radio. Thanks for listening to AFR. It is Monday, April the 18th. Ed Battagliano joins me. Good morning, Ed. Good morning, Tim. And Fred Jackson. Good morning, Tim. Ed, have a good weekend. I did have a good weekend. I took, yep, took an extra day off uh, for the long weekend and um, got out in the yard, did a lot of work on our flower beds, created a new flower bed and created a new flower bed. Yep. From scratch. So, did you videotape this? Oh, no. No. We can show our listeners no. how you did this. Nobody wants to see well, that. Is there? What did you? What did you put in there? Oh, okay. I haven't put anything in yet. But I had to. I had to make it. I had to dig areas out and. You prepped it. Yes. Well. Prepped and it. went well, and got what, the blocks and put the little blocks, the edging, and. What kind of flowers are on the way? I don't know. I don't actually think that far ahead. <laughs> I thought you said you Something. created a flower bed. I had a yes, different impression. A bed for flowers. <laughs> right. And we haven't decided yet what goes in it. In fact, my, my wife kind of vetoed some of my ideas. So I have these great and creative ideas. She says, I don't really think that'll work. Right. Because the weather or what? Or, uh, I just, or you don't know. Just a difference in taste. But I laid okay. down the law. I told her I'm the man of the family. I bet you uh, did. Yeah. And, yeah, I know uh, how you that went. Go on, make me a sandwich, woman. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, this is where the word not comes in. <laughs> Not come in. And then out loud, I said. So, so you got a flower bed. It's very creative, and and yet you don't know what kind of flowers right. are going in there it yet. It swoops too. Beside the stone pathway I'd put in several years ago, it swoops. It swoops, baby. It's a swooping garden. It, it comes down the side and then swoops off with flowers yet to be determined. Yes, Fred. Absolutely. that's right. That's right. Okay. Now, Ed, were you the foreman or did you do some? No, of the work? I did all of it. You did it all. I was on my hands and knees. Uh-huh. And First time in years. And you yeah. were feeling it on Saturday, weren't you? I, I felt it all weekend. <laughs> still feeling it. But anyway, uh, it right. was also a very yeah. good Easter. We yes, had a absolutely. really good service. And uh, so. Hope everybody had a wonderful Easter celebration, mm-hmm. uh, celebrating the resurrection of Christ uh, yeah. around the world, Fred. Christian celebrated, right? Amen. Amen. It, it was uh, like Ed. You, I know. Our services, we have we have one of those churches that have two separate services on Sunday morning. Right. So-called traditional contemporary. Sure. So we rented a, a conference center in town uh-huh. so we could put the two congregations together. Did they so, get along? Well, <laughs> it, what's amazing when that happens is I, I've never seen these people, never met them before right. in my life. Right, might as well be a different church. It, it's amazing. It was kind of nice to be together. You know, you have a few minutes at least, and I was shaking hands with people I've never met before. And I go to the same church. We never see each other. That's right. <laughs> and I that's see Brent occasionally down the down yep. the pew, but yeah, no, it's not a pew though. Chair. Yeah. Now anyway. I I know there were families there that are visiting families right. in our hometown, right. and so. You know, I, I understand, but but it is amazing when you have a service at 8.30 in the morning and then right. there's Sunday school in the middle yeah. and then there's the second service. You just don't get to see these Well, it, what's funny is my wife and I go to the early service and I teach a Sunday school class. I think you do too, Fred. 
And uh, we were leaving after Sunday school, this is about a month ago, and I saw someone I hadn't seen in a while since before COVID, remember? Before the COVID shutdowns or whatever. Uh-huh. And he said, hey, he said, hey, welcome back. He said, <laughs> I said, I said, welcome back. I said, I've been coming the whole time, but we hadn't seen each other. They'd come to the later service. Yeah. Somebody hadn't been coming to Sunday school. Uh, yes, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> I don't teach Sunday school right now. I used to. Oh, okay. But, All right. But uh, we have a terrific Sunday school class. And, yeah. and so you get, that's where you really get to know people. Yeah. In, yes. in a larger church is that Sunday school class. Mm-hmm. That's really a precious time. It really is. But but yesterday I looked across that sea of faces and boy, there's a I said to my wife, there are a lot of people here I don't know. Right. But and, that's okay. They're in the, the service. And then you Sven Fred said, if they keep up with that electric guitar, one more song. <laughs> I might have say something to the pastor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what's worth this contemporary stuff? <laughs> All right. So anyway, I hope everybody had a great uh, Easter weekend. Uh, Congressman Mo Brooks will be with us at the bottom of the hour. He's running for Senate in Alabama. We'll talk to him. And then uh, Steve Jordahl, of course, will be with us next hour. A lot to talk about with Steve. But first, Fred, let's get into the news of the day. You know, I hosted for uh, Sandy Rios this morning, and I was saying, you know, talking about our Easter service, and it's just a reminder that we serve a, a God who's in control, a God who's returning and is going to set things straight. And I, I, I prefaced what I was going to talk about news stories with that because there were a lot of depressing news stories over the weekend. Uh, it, it's terrible to think we're starting to get used to mass shootings I mean, we had that one of the New York subway last week. Right. That's going on. Over the weekend, there were three mass shootings in this country. First one started off in Columbia, South Carolina. It was a shopping mall there. Someone, someone opened fire. There were about a dozen people or so who were injured in that, some very seriously. Now, they arrested one person who had a court hearing yesterday, Sunday, and that person was released on $25,000 bond and the judge putting a condition on that they have to wear an ankle bracelet when they went to work this morning. And, you know, we've talked about this with regards to Tim last week, a couple of occasions, you mentioned our justice system. You just scratch your head. <clears throat> now, his lawyer for this person who was arrested and let go uh, on the $25,000 bond says, well, yes, they had a gun but they shot the gun in self-defense and turned themselves in after the incident. That's what their lawyer is saying. But they were there in the mall with a gun, and they did open fire. So we'll have to see how that goes. Now, was that, that, was a, was that an illegal weapon or illegally, or was that illegal? I believe so. I believe it was a legal weapon. Okay. Yeah. It, I, it was a legal weapon or illegal weapon? A legal weapon. A legal weapon. As, okay. far, as far as I know. Okay. There was another incident at Kara's Lounge in Hampton County, South Carolina, about 80 miles west of Charleston. number of people injured there. But there was a third incident, this one near Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. There were, according to reports, 200 kids gathered for a party at a house or a large warehouse on Saturday evening. Shooting, a shooting occurs there early Sunday morning. Two people are dead. Both of the uh, people who died are 70-year-olds. This was apparently a, 
high school party, 200 people there, two people dead coming out of that. So uh, all in one weekend, three mass shootings, and you begin, you step back from it. What is going on in this country? Well, it's it's turning violent, um, and people, I've I, I remarked to my wife about how wound up tight so many people are. Mm. I mean, just wound up tight. Well, la, la, was over the weekend or last week, the, there was a road rage incident where a guy, you remember the, the girl, there was a young lady or whatever, and she got out of her car to take pictures of the guy's license plate and he ran her over mm -hmm. did you see this i mean people are wound up so tight so angry i don't know whether it's leftover I, I i was gonna say leftover from the covid lockdowns that may be a contributing factor but this has really been going on with the breakdown of the family and the move away from god i mean that's my explanation i'm sure other people who don't believe in god would have their own explanations but the country is becoming increasingly violent and you have people who don't seem to want there to be consequences for a lot of this is some of it uh, also and i agree with what you, you were saying but is some of it also that the the kind of i'll call it indoctrination that we've seen over the last 10 15 20 years that if you do something violent you're the one that's the victim that you're acting out of some kind of victimhood mentality, that somehow you've been oppressed by outside forces and you have a right to be anger, angry and you have a right to carry these things out. And on top, as I was saying, Tim, you addressed this a couple of times last week, that we have a justice system now that's bought into that thinking. Right. That this person who is before the judge charged with murder or attempted murder they're really not responsible for what they did. Mm -hmm. Well, we go back to remember the the London bombings, yeah. the subway. I think I think I think it was the subway uh, bombings mm. back. This goes back I don't know seven eight years. I, I lose track of how how long something happened. But remember, one of the explanations for these Islamic terrorists mm -hmm. was they were just young men who needed jobs. Yeah, they couldn't. They didn't. They didn't get jobs. That's why they did this, mm -hmm. which is no explanation at all or defense for what these people did. But the explanation was they had been denied something yes. or deprived of something, uh -huh. and that explains the violence. Well, well of it was it does Hillary not. Clinton's State Department when she was Secretary of State. Remember the spokesperson for that department when she was asked about terrorism, the terrorism mentality? And mm. that person said all they need is jobs. Yeah. That's why these Islamic young men are doing what they're doing because they can't find jobs. Right. Yeah. Uh, it uh, three shootings over the weekend. Uh, two in South Carolina, one in Pittsburgh. Uh, that now, you know, shootings take place every hour in Chicago and New York and Atlanta and Philadelphia and I mean these big cities. Uh, but it it does it, two things that are happening. It does seem that we're getting to be a more violent society. People just, you know, uh, like you said, Ed, are on edge. Yeah. You read about these road rage incidents happening every day across the country. And then uh, then you add that to um, uh, the gangster um, lifestyle that uh, a lot of young 
youth are exposed to now by rap music and other forms of inter- video games and such where <clears throat> where violence is, is is seen as the solution to your problem. Right. You know what I'm saying? Uh, so that's that's unfortunate too, but and then you couple that, if I haven't coupled something already here, I can't remember, <laughs> but if you couple that with a criminal justice system that doesn't punish people for their behavior, but rather excuses them or lets them off um, without having to suffer the consequences, enough consequences to matter. Mm-hmm. You know, like somebody said the other day, you can end a lot of the violence in our country tomorrow if you wanted to without even having to suspend constitutional rights. All you do is you say, listen, if you commit an act of violence using a gun, like you armed robbery, or, and these laws may already be on the books. I don't know all the laws of all the 50 states, but are you you carjack uh, somebody using a, a gun? <clears throat> then you go to prison for a minimum of 10 years. That's when we. That's where we start. Mm, right. In other words, you go to prison for ten years, no parole, n- nothing. If you're convicted, you get right. a you get a trial, obviously. But uh, if you're convicted and you commit uh, uh, a crime using a gun, if people are so against you know they're blaming the guns. Then, all you would have to do is institute what I just said. This is my opinion. And that word would get out to the to the would be criminals. If you do that, there's no, there's no more turnstile justice. Right. In quotes, you will go to jail for a long time, and ten years being a long time uh, for somebody. So, and then if you do it a second time, once you get out, then your life in prison. Yeah. Or they, they, that that would shut it down. That would shut it. I, I guarantee you, the 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 word would get out on the street. That the that you don't we have law and order here, and if you break the law, you're going to suffer severe consequences. Go ahead. And if you, in the commission of that crime with a gun, shoot and kill someone, yes, you'll be executed, or in some states, the rest of the rest of your life, life in prison. Because what what some people argue is, if you're going to give people stiff sentences for committing a crime with a gun. They're going to make sure there's no witness. They'll use the gun to kill someone. Well, there's enough cameras around right. that you're not going to get away with that. And if you kill someone in the commission of a crime, you're going to death row. And it's not going to be 10 years later. You're going to have an appeal, and then you're going to be executed. And You could stop this if yeah. you, with, with harsh well, – I say harsh – with strict enforcement of probably laws that are already on the books that, but but are dismissed by – these left-wing judges and, in, in a lot of cases, legislator, uh, legislators in blue states—they don't care about the—they don't care about people suffering the consequences of violent crime. They just care about being social justice warriors. They so. care when they get carjacked in their driveway. Well, yeah, and that's increasingly happening to yeah, them. Yeah, these follow-home follow crimes. You y'all been right. reading about this? Yes, mm-hmm. it's in, terrifying. In, in rich neighbor, uh, people are following. These gangs are following wealthy people home, mm-hmm. uh, and and then they're attacking them in their driveways or going into their homes. Yep. And they don't care if it's a gated community or not right. anymore. Mm-hmm. 
this is starting to trend uh, yes. across the country. Uh, so, uh, you know, uh, we'll, we'll see what happens there. You're listening to today's issues. Next story, Fred. Well, uh, on top of that, the our society, though, uh, at least some in our society, are cheering when when courts get tough on on cops. Yeah, you know, and you know, if cop commits crime, yes, should pay the price. But we're seeing more and more communities, politicians, Democrat-run cities, turn against their cops. There's a sheriff out in uh, Portland, Oregon, who wrote a piece on the weekend. And he says, I continue to be deeply concerned about current trends in community violence. There in Portland, there were 102 people in jail for murder or attempted murder at the beginning of April. That's the most since the mid-1990s. And that's a result of a defunding of police attitude, which is prevalent in places like Portland and Seattle and other places. And so much so that cops, they have openings now for hundreds of police officers. Because they don't, people yeah. don't want to be cops anymore. Good luck. It's hard for me to feel sorry for people who vote their own demise, though. I've, I have sympathy for people who don't vote their own demise and yet mm-hmm. still have to suffer consequences of criminal behavior. But in the case of Portland, Oregon, this is what they want. Mm-hmm. Right. They may not, they would, they would, now those people wouldn't say, well, no, I don't want violence. Mm. Well, okay. But you're voting for how you get there. Yes. You, you, you're, you, you vote for leniency on criminals and progressive politics. It leads to a ruined community and desolation, ultimately. Mm-hmm. And that's what's happening in Portland and Seattle and other places. Desolation, I mean, the end of law and order as we know it. So yeah. you got companies and businesses have to move out because they can't. You know, like in New York where they just, uh, you know, these drugstores mm-hmm. having to lock everything up. Have you seen this? Yeah. Oh, yes. Yep. Lock everything up. Mm-hmm. Everything has to have a key now. And a lot of the, I don't know about a lot, but uh, the 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 um, drugstores mm-hmm. in New York because shoplifting yeah. just gotten out of control. All right. Uh, go ahead. Yes, uh, well, the board of directors of Twitter met on the weekend, and they are filing to the U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission a plan today uh, to basically stop uh, the plans by Elon Musk. He wants to buy Twitter. And what has ignited this opposition? I mean, shareholders would get over $50 a share, which is huge. He offered, what, $43 billion for Twitter. Yeah. What's got the left upset is that he has stated, Elon Musk has stated, who's not a conservative, right. but what he has stated is he wants to turn Twitter back to a platform that practices free speech. Well, the left has gone nuts. There was an uh, article in the Washington Post on the weekend, um, which was written by former CEO of Reddit, Ellen K. Powell, and uh, she said, Musk's appointment to Twitter's board shows that we need regulation of social media platforms to prevent rich people from controlling our channels of communication. Headline, who owns Washington Post? I think a guy by the name of Jeff, Jeff Bezos. Bezos. Uh, I think he's a billionaire. Yeah. Don't have a problem there. As you were pointing out at our story meeting this morning, Tim, most of the uh, media outlets in this country are owned by very wealthy people. And always have been. Yeah. 
So she's not opposed to the fact, really, that, uh, you know, Elon Musk is rich. She's opposed to the fact that he wants to make it right. a free speech platform again. She didn't like his politics. That's that, right. But she's trying to use the billionaire. We don't need billionaires in, in control of uh, big social media or, or traditional media, I guess, in the case. <laughs> Although she never said something about who owns the paper she's writing the column in. That's right. right. That's your point. Yes. She's writing about billionaires taking over the media in a paper owned by a billionaire. Mm-hmm. Uh, right. So uh, that's just a rank hypocrisy. However... Now, I was under the impression that Elon Musk, his, his stock purchase of, well, how many, what percent? Uh, 9.2. Just over, just over now, 9%. Did, did that not go through? Well, he went from stating that publicly, that he wanted to buy 9.2%, to within 48 hours, he said no, uh, because they passed a rule saying that anybody has more than uh, a certain percentage cannot make an offer to buy, to forbid him from buying. So yeah. then he made an offer. He said, okay, keep your shares. I want to make an offer of $43 billion to buy so, Twitter. So, so the board of directors of Twitter, mm-hmm. which does not include Elon Musk at this point, because right. he, re- right. he, he, uh, That's right. He, he, he refused a place on the board so that he could potentially buy more stock. Yes. Which would take, uh, basically make him the, the, the number one, player financially in the corporation Twitter right. I'm talking about right which his Elon Musk says really is a losing financial proposition for him mm-hmm. but he wants to buy putting words in his mouth now though this is his intent really he wants to buy Twitter so he can return it to a free speech platform for everybody that's what his uh, de- desire is even if it cost him billions of dollars right in doing so but but these board of directors is is trying to prevent him from doing this, Fred? Is that what you're? Yeah, what is that the story? What they're doing? Uh, the story that just came off the wires uh, about an hour ago. In filing Monday with the U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission, Twitter's board says the shareholder rights agreement, which they came up with this weekend, would impose a significant penalty on any person or group of investors who acquire 15 percent <clears throat> or more of the company's shares without board approval. So that's what they've come up with. You know, what would you say, uh, Ed, to listeners right now who are going, who cares about Twitter? I don't use it. Uh, I don't know why y'all are spending so much time talking about this. Well, Twitter has been uh, at least extremely influential. Uh, A lot of people, a lot of young people, I'm I'm sure they've moved on to other places, Instagram and other avenues, but a lot of them would get their news from Twitter. So they would follow so-and-so and then they would, they would post news stories, and it was circumventing the leg, kind of legacy media and is just very influential in terms of driving public opinion, or at least that's, that's the, the belief. So it, 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 uh, now the problem it has been that big social, social media, we're talking Facebook, we're talking to some extent, you know, YouTube, Twitter, and some of these others, they – I don't want to paint with too broad a brush, but the accusation has been that only certain beliefs are allowed to exist. If you say anything about ivermectin or, you know, hydroxychloroquine during COVID, you are banned. If you were the New York Post and had a story about Hunter Biden's laptop, Twitter said, no, we're not allowing that on 
where we are going to ban that story, lock New York Post down. They can't even access Twitter, that it is a one-sided portrayal of news and information. And if Elon Musk gets it, everyone apparently would be allowed to have their say. Well, I hope Elon Musk wins this one mm-hmm. for the sake of free speech because these big social media platforms basically are one-sided yes. politically. And uh, we shall return momentarily. Uh, stay with us. They should face some sort of consequences. At the very least, what you put on there should be true. And if it's not true, then it should be actionable. Major social media outlets are finding ways to block the conservative evangelical viewpoint. The American Family Association will no longer be canceled. Announcing AFA Streaming, our own video streaming platform, which will allow access to all AFA video content. AFA Streaming is now available. Learn more at AFA.net. We live in a day when America's families are under attack like never before. Buddy Smith, Senior Vice President of the American Family Association. The war against biblical principles rages on numerous fronts. The internet, Hollywood, Washington, D.C., America's corporate boardrooms, and the list goes on. At American Family Association, we're committed to standing against the enemies of God, the enemies of your family, And we recognize it's an impossible task without God's favor and your partnership. Thank you for being faithful to pray for this ministry, to give financially, and to respond to our calls for activism. What you do on the home front is crucial to what we do on the battlefront. We praise God for your faithfulness. And may He give us many victories in the battles ahead as we work together to restore our nation's biblical foundations. Hello, Americans. I'm Todd Starnes. Stand by for news and commentary next. Uh, My goal as a teacher is to impart knowledge and then be able then for them to take it and turn it into wisdom. As we teach, I think, okay, five years down the road, how will the material that I am teaching them really affect their lives and their careers? Hi, Todd Starnes here. Truett offers biblically-centered degree programs. Check out truett.edu slash Starnes. There's been no lack of courageous and inspirational stories coming from Ukraine, celebrities and athletes, regular Joes setting aside their careers, their lives to fight for their country, life put on hold. Yorena and Savatslav were scheduled to be married in May. The bride, just 21, the groom, 24, but they decided to forego their lavish spring wedding once war broke out. The young couple met with their parents and announced their intentions to marry right away so they could join the fight to stop the Russian invaders. They were married at a monastery, and just a few hours later, the newlyweds joined the military. Yorena traded her wedding dress for camo and a gun, She grew up in Kiev, told a reporter she'll do whatever it takes to protect her city. And one day, the Ukrainian newlyweds hoped to enjoy that honeymoon, once forsaken, in a free and prosperous and liberated nation. I'm Todd Starnes. Therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. 1 Peter 1.13 American Family Radio This is Today's Issues. 
Email your comments to comments at AFR.net. Past broadcasts of today's issues are available for listening and viewing in the archive at AFR.net. Now, back to more of today's issues. Well, in uh, November, there will be senatorial elections across the country, too, uh, in addition to House of Representative elections. Of course, the way our country works is all House of Representatives members, I'm talking about the federal house now, not your state legislatures, will be uh, up for election uh, or re-election, as the case may be. Uh, and then uh, we have one-third of our U.S. senators are up for uh, there's an election, so every two years is a third of our U.S. Senate that's up for uh, have elections. So one of the races to watch is in Alabama, uh, where Shelby, a senator, longtime Senator Shelby, is retiring, and so that is an open seat. And one of the uh, candidates for that is uh, Congressman Mo Brooks, who's been on with us before. He's a uh, uh, from the 5th District, that's where he represented the 5th District of Alabama in the U.S. House of Representatives, now running for Senate. Good morning, uh, Congressman Brooks. Good morning. Good to be with you. Uh, how are you, sir? How are you doing? I'm doing very well. Had a very good Easter with uh, church and family. Um, had, I think, let's see, 6, 12, 20 people over last night from our family. Not the entire brood. <laughs> Three of them uh, were down in Birmingham. But everybody else was able to make it up for a nice Sunday dinner. Wonderful. Uh, uh, let me ask you this: When is the? Uh, it's a it's a runoff. I mean, not a runoff, but it's a, uh, a primary, right? A Republican primary. That uh, when is that going to happen? May twenty fourth. Thirty six days. May twenty fourth. Now, you have uh, served how many years in the House of Representatives? I was elected uh, six different times to Congress, uh, first elected in November of 2010, sworn in in January of 2011, uh, first Republican elected in this congressional seat in 136 years. And and you're known as a moderate, aren't you? (laughs) (laughs) No. No? I don't know of anyone who would call me a moderate. (laughs) I'm a principal conservative through and through, whether it's border security, moral values, foundational principles, taxes. Uh, Second Amendment right to bear arms, just go down the list. I'm a conservative <laughs> across the board. And okay. I might add, the only one in this uh, race. I, of course, I knew that, uh, but I, I, I wanted that was to get... tongue-in-cheek. I wanted to get your reaction to being called a moderate. Uh, so uh, you, let me ask you this. How important is is a Senate office and, and, and who controls the Senate? How important is that? I mean, obviously, it's very important. You wouldn't be running. You wouldn't be trying to move from the House to the Senate? It is huge. It is on a level with the election of the President of the United States. Now, the President, in fairness, he controls the executive branch. He's the commander-in-chief. He can do a lot, but he's limited to eight years. When you have senators who stay in the United States Senate for 10, 20, 30 years, uh, I don't anticipate me doing it that long. Uh, I personally believe in term limits and have voluntarily uh, term-limited myself three different times. But nonetheless, it's huge for the future of our country. One senator, by way of example, Senator Jeff Sessions, around 2013, 2014, 2015, he and I worked together, but he was instrumental in preventing the Gang of Eight amnesty bill. 
for millions of illegal aliens. And Jeff Sessions did that almost solo in the face of Democrat opposition and then the opposition of the special interest groups that uh, prefer open borders and cheap foreign labor that they can make more profit. So a Senate position is big, big, big under the Senate rules. And of course, uh, something that uh, folks who are listening to this uh, station can readily agree on, it's extraordinarily important on the confirmation of federal judges generally and Supreme Court justices in particular. How can people learn more about your campaign and the uh, what makes you not a moderate? <laughs> well, they can go to mobrooks.com or they can go to my congressional website, or if they want third-party confirmation, if border security is an issue, go to Numbers USA. I've had an A-plus grade every single year I've been in Congress. Second Amendment is an issue. Go to Gun Owners of America or the NRA. If you're pro-life and want to know where I am on that, I've had an A grade every single year by National Right to Life. If foundational principles and moral values are big to you, then go to the American Conservative Union, uh, Heritage Action. If the battle between socialism and free enterprise is a big issue, go to Club for Growth, uh, go to uh, National Taxpayers Union. So there are better places to go where you can get the gospel from third parties, and their evaluation of my record speaks volumes. Well, I... Absolutely. All those resources you cited here rank you as a uh, solid conservative, unquestionably. And I followed your career uh, for many years, too. And uh, I've tried to nitpick it, but I can't because uh, <laughs> you have a you have a great voting record uh, on our issues. That is by our issues. I mean, our issues are American issues, but certainly life and liberty and judges and uh, and those kinds of issues that are core to our survival as a nation uh mo brooks has voted the right way every single time appreciate uh, it okay you're welcome thank you sir talk to you later take care okay, bye-bye that's congressman mo brooks now what i've just said is my opinion and also but 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 i'm but I'm, i mean my opinion counts for something right right so uh because we have worked with congressman brooks and and others uh, in the senate and the house and he's been one of the leaders on, we've, we've met with them up here at the offices yeah at least on one occasion, maybe two, uh, that and w- yeah. I was in those meetings yeah. and we we questioned yeah questioned him about yeah. his views yeah. and are satisfied that these are uh, not only line up with our views. I'm talking about American yeah. Family Association, yeah, but that he's genuine and you know absolutely I mean, as far as we can tell. So absolutely, and we'll follow that race. He said that's in May, right? May twenty fourth. Primary I think he said thirty six. And days. there are yeah. there are two other challengers mm-hmm. in. Uh, in Alabama for that Republican. And, you know, if you win as a Republican in Alabama, then you're going to, in a primary, chances of you winning in a general election are 80, 20, 90, 10. Right. Uh, so that's why the primary is uh, so important. You're listening to today's issues on the American Family Radio. Next story, Fred. Well, uh, I am sure there are many, many Democrats that are relying on their Democrat president, Joe Biden, to help them over the finish line uh, in November. What? And and I'm sure a president with a 33% approval rating, boy, that's a real asset to you if you're Carries trying to. Carries a lot of weight. <laughs> there, we're talking about the Quinnipiac poll, all right, from last week. 33% approval rating. And I think we said, regardless of who is leading any party, you normally have about 30% of your supporters that are going to support you Regardless. Right. They're Democrats. They're hardcore Democrats. Hardcore Democrats. And independents, according to the 
collective wisdom of politicians yeah. and political observers. There's, it's independence. That would tell me the independents have abandoned Joe Biden. Yeah, they have. Yeah. Here's what I was surprised to learn digging deeper into Quinnipiac uh, from last week. He is down, Joe Biden is down in the mid-20s with a Latino vote in this country. I was also, when you said that, uh, I was also surprised it was so low. Yeah. This morning on Fox and Friends, they had a a group of Latinos from Texas. They questioned them about where they stand on Joe Biden's policy on the the border, uh, those kinds of things. Where, where they stand on uh, Joe Biden's policies on the economy. So it's very interesting. You're going to hear a little bit of music in the background because it came from the Fox and Friends program. Let's cut number four. We have the same values. Latino values is Republican values. We agree on everything. Uh, it's just getting that same value to the ballot box and uh, getting them to vote according to their values. Deep down in the core, every Hispanic in Texas are conservative. The Hispanic Latino community is the sleeping giant in the room. I think that we need to understand the Latino vote is not something that we're going to stop talking about after midterms or even after 2024 uh, because the Latino vote is so diverse. I mean, just even on this panel. So we can keep that conversation open and the Republican Party having a, a bienvenido message, a welcoming message to the Hispanic community, not just the Mexican community, the Venezuelan, the Cuban. But understanding that the conversation is wide and broad and there's many seats at the table for this conversation. You know, there are a couple of other uh, parts to that uh, interview with these Latino voters. They are not happy with Joe Biden's policy on the border. Uh, there, there is an assumption among some people in the country that because they're Latino, they're all for open borders. That is simply not true. In fact, some of these people that were interviewed said we resent the fact there are people just flowing in. They show up at the border. They don't have to go through the paperwork. Right. They don't have to go through the waiting like we did. They didn't even a, have to be tested for COVID. Yes. They're flowing across well, well over 2 million people yeah. since Joe Biden became president. Yeah. Last month alone, I think it was 230,000 encounters at the border in March of this year. We also learned over the weekend that there have been at least 23 people who have crossed that border illegally that are on the terrorism list, yeah. terrorism watch list. This is this policy is not only right. not right, it's dangerous. Well, and I mean, let, but, uh, No, no, you go ahead. Okay. Right. I was just going to toss in quickly here that and it's it's not just the border issue either. Right. I, I'm guessing from what I've read for Hispanics, it is the the entire list of radical leftist policies that have now taken over the Democratic Party. Mm-hmm. The radical, yes. progressive, quote-unquote yes. progressive list of things is disturbing to pe- to any community with traditional values. And by and large, there are radical elements in every community. Mm-hmm. But by and large, the Hispanic community is fairly conservative when it comes to marriage and family and the home and having an opportunity to make money. So that is, I guess, what is driving the number down even lower in the mid-20s of support for the president. I think Biden and the Democrats assume that if they could let millions of of, uh, Hispanics into America, you know, open borders, that they're going to endear themselves to American citizens who are Hispanic. Yeah. 
who go to work every day and vote, they think, well, just well, he's letting he's letting people who look like me come in free, so I'm voting for him. Right. <laughs> you know, when when that's proving not to be true is what you're saying according to surveys. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's not true. And you know what? Who who's playing identity politics today? It's the it's the secular progressives, right? That's the left, the what I call mm-hmm. many times the lefties. Mm-hmm. They're playing identity politics, and they're counting on that. Democrats count on that. They've been counting on that for a lot of years now. And I'm just not so sure it's going to work going forward with what is the largest minority of Americans. That is to say, uh, after white people who still make up, I don't know, 55, 60% of the American public, I would have to look exactly to say I could be wrong about that, maybe 50 I think it may be. I'll look it up. Is it, it closer even, to fifty? Maybe even uh, closer to sixty-five. I'll check and see. Okay. Well, the the largest minority in the United States are Hispanics. That's right. Today, which I think represents seven, six, seventeen, eighteen percent. I'm going off the top of my head, but I think I remember these. Maybe you can look and see the demographics of the U.S. Here, Ed. And see if I'm right, I'm right here. Uh, and then African Americans uh, are around, down around 13. Uh, percent They they would be number three in terms of mm-hmm. uh, population. So the share of people in the U.S. who identify as non-Hispanic, white, and no other race is 58. percent Okay, so I was but, I was about right about yeah, 60. But it, it it is a little more complicated. Not that it matters to the point. It is a little more complicated because there are people who are mixed and declare themselves to be white. The point is, you were saying yeah, the Hispanic. Point, the point is, in the white community, if you can, among white people, I don't know if the white community, we don't, huh? Right. But the, uh, the uh, among white people, uh, the, the votes are split between Republicans and Democrats typically, yeah. right? Uh, in the Hispanic community now, we're seeing the same thing happen. Is what you're mm-hmm. that's what you were pointing out in this survey. Mm-hmm. The Democrats had counted on Hispanics being a minority to rally against white people mm-hmm. with them, mm-hmm. the oppressors. Yes. And it's just not happening. No. Nope. Because their assumption was that all Hispanics are alike. Yes. That's what it, that, it, that, it, that montage was. This is insulting. We're not I know all it's white. insulting. Yeah. It's insulting to their intelligence, and it's an, it's 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 quite frankly a quite frankly a form of of ethnic stereotyping or racism, if you want to call it that. This has got to be deflating to Democrat pollsters to look and say, "Hey, Hispanic people are supposed to be with us against the whites." Yes, and they're not rallying to our cause. Mm-hmm. Right. So uh, this is not good for us, uh, and this could spell. Doom politically in mm-hmm. the fall of 2020. You know, we, we've had stories and we will cover some stories. Steve has uh, one or two just kind of blockbuster stories for the next segment. But we've cut, covered the transgender movement in this country and some of the outrages that have been going on. A- again, this is probably painting with too broad a brush, but I just have a hard time believing that many Hispanics who are very family-oriented 
and or oriented towards traditional values want men, young men, declaring themselves to be women, going into restrooms and locker rooms and changing areas with their daughters. I would dare say that they're more conservative on those issues than white people. Yes. In general. Mm-hmm. Because And there's a heavy uh, influence of, of Catholicism. Yes. And... Uh, the Hispanic community, I, I don't know. That's the that's by, probably by and far the 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 number one religious identification, right? Mm-hmm. And the Catholic Church is very conservative on. Now I got problems with the Catholic Church on some of their socialism that they promote, um, but on family values and morals and being pro life and pro marriage and pro children and pro mom and dad and male and female and those right. kinds of things. The Catholic church is right on. And they, and that that's, and you mix that with just the Hispanic culture, which, which has conservative values for the most part. Uh, you're right. The Democrat party is attacking those values Yes, every day, all day. And a lot of Hispanics resent that. And the, and the fact that they're not all the same. These they may they may have certain ethnic similarities and roots that make them, in a sense, all one people. But they're all coming from different cultures. And in other words, if there are Hispanics fleeing from Venezuela, how do you think they're go or Cuba? How do you think they're going to view socialism <laughs> in the Democratic do, they do, Party? They deplore it. Yes, mm-hmm. they may be ethnically Hispanic, but their experiences with socialism lead them to go, I didn't leave Venezuela right. to come here and have the same thing happen. Right. No, yes. exactly. You're exactly right. So this is uh, this is really problematic. This uh, uh, diversity inside the uh, Hispanic vote in America is what you read. Read what we started this story with, Fred, because it's what now? Well, this it's the Quinnipiac poll from last week. It's a week. very reputable polling firm. Yeah, it's a, it, it's a university. I wouldn't call it a conservative group at all. No, right, uh, right, and they and they they found what now? They found with Joe Biden as far as uh, approval rating overall population, thirty three percent. Amongst Hispanics, I think it was twenty five to twenty six percent approval rating. So it's below the national average. It is below right? the national average. Yeah. Exactly for all the reasons you guys have been talking about. The Hispanic people are very entrepreneurial in their spirit. They start businesses. They have their families that come along that invest in those businesses. You can imagine an, an, a Latino person, maybe their father or grandfather came to this country legally, went through all the hoops, started a business, and now they're seeing these hundreds of thousands flowing across the border without going through the same kind of hurdles. They're resentful of that. Yeah. Add to that um, the socialist mentality of this Biden administration who wants to take more of their hard-earned money away from them. They also have, this was very interesting this morning, some of these Latinos who were interviewed. There are a lot of Latino families, quoting some of these people, who have sons and daughters who are police officers. Oh, my. They're they're appalled by this defund the police movement that Dem- the Democratic Party is promoting. They, I think they were counting. The Democrats were counting on Hispanics slash Latinos voting for them ninety to ten, like black folks do. Yes, they're counting on that. Yeah, and when that and that's not proving to be true, they're worried. 
Right. Yes. They're worried. Well, remember the arrogant attitude of candidate Joe Biden? He was being interviewed by this black talk show host. And Joe Biden said, if you don't vote Democrat, you ain't black. Oh, right. yeah. You remember that? Yeah. Yeah. Um, what was it was it? Charlemagne. I don't even like saying that. <laughs> I, yeah. I know. I mm-hmm. know. So uh, I'm, I may have overstated that a little bit, but usually I think the, the black vote breaks at least 85, 15 to mm-hmm. Democrats almost every time uh, across the country. And whether that'll change or not, I don't know. But uh, but the, in order for the Democrats to win a lot of elections, they have to cobble together a lot of uh, mm-hmm. Union votes, uh, African American votes, LGBTQ, uh, LGBTQ, so peel off some uh, progressive white people, uh, and they have to cobble them all together, right? To to uh, win elections, and if they lose one or two of those pieces, uh, then it's disaster for right. them in a lot of a lot of races. So that's. That's got to be very concerning. The statistic you're uh, you're pointing to right there. Did you we post that on our Facebook page? Mm-hmm. Okay. The, the so if you want to look at that survey that Fred's talking about, folks, you can go to our Today's Issues Facebook page, uh, and we put that on there. You're listening to American Family Radio. Next story, Fred. Well, uh, if you watch some of the other networks, CNN, for example. You've seen almost daily stories about the January 6th commission that was set up to investigate the protests, the riot that occurred on January 6th of 2021. What you won't hear in the coverage of that commission, the commission hearings, is hundreds of those who were arrested that day and since are sitting detained in jails in Washington, D.C. Hundreds. In like Washington, D.C., city jails? City jails or federal establishments, I'm not sure. Last Thursday, our own Sandy Rios interviewed three of those that are being detained. And I want to play you a bit of audio from one of those J6 prisoners. Uh, Robert Gieswin is his name. And uh, I talked to Gary Bauer of Campaign for Working Families this morning about this. Some of these people have been detained since early last year. Their trials are not until this summer. For what? Break and enter? Putting their feet up on Nancy Pelosi's desk? For what? But have a listen to Robert Gieswin as to his take on all of this. Remember, he's being detained right now because of these riots. Cut five. The election 2020 was completely rigged, if not fully stolen. So I had went in anticipation of Antifa having a big presence in BLM. So that's the reason why I was wearing protective gear, like bulletproof vests and those types of things, even though the government wants to say I was there to overthrow or whatever they had in their mind. No, I was there to protect innocent Trump supporters from Antifa and BLM. In my personal opinion, with the agitators on the ground level, and with the cops, there was some kind of coordination with the DOJ to where January 6th was completely set up to entice Trump supporters to act in a way that they wouldn't normally act. And me personally, I felt as though my life and the lives of other people there were in danger. The DOJ and the FBI are completely rogue. They're going to entrap anybody and everybody that they can. 
that is a conservative because this is their attempt to completely wipe out conservatives. Making some very serious accusations there, but remember the report back several months ago where uh, in a video, someone, a man was seen encouraging people to go up to the Capitol. Right. And there was some indication that that person was with the FBI. Uh, So that's where that allegation is coming from. But regardless, where else have we seen and what other incidents where someone is being held for over a year without having going before a judge for a trial? Yeah, because we're we're now a year and four months, almost a year and a well, half. I, I I don't know exactly when some of these people were arrested, mm-hmm. but the Sixth Amendment to the Constitution guarantees the right to uh, a speedy and public trial. I have a hard time understanding how the federal government is uh, is um, lining up with those constitutional protections if you're keeping someone detained isn't it true that some of these people uh have not seen a judge have not been brought before a judge or there there have been some reports there have been some who have been released but the report is they were released when they recanted their support for the idea that there were misgivings in the voting so if you confess that's you don't know soviet union garbage yep you, and you tow the party line or you'll just remain in, in jail. Yeah. And that's what has a lot of people concerned. This, well, this th- is a weaponization gonna, of a Justice Department against political enemies. I think what's going to wind up happening is there are going to be a lot of lawsuits for these mm. people who are mistreated mm-hmm. unconstitutionally. And the federal government is going to pay big yeah. for this All right, abuse. Uh, we shall return momentarily with more of today's issues on AFR after the news. Stay with us. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.